Alright guys, what is up? Welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats podcast. This is episode 10. And if you paid attention on Twitter the other day, we sent out a poll if you guys would be interested in a Dream Starting 9 Baseball Edition episode. And you guys voted yes. So, I mean, if if you're one of those people, here you go. If you voted no, then shame on you. Go fuck yourself. Um, We're doing it anyways. So, yeah, we're going to give you our... Dream nine. We'll obviously give you our all the position players, and then we'll give you a starting pitcher and a DH. So we both have our lists. We we do not know who we have, who each other have. So that'll be interesting. I'll start. Mm-hmm. I'll start with my catcher. Yeah, we'll start with catcher, and then we'll we'll hit starting pitchers last. At the end. All right. Sounds good. All right. For my catcher, I had Mike Piazza. This was a tough one. Um, definitely compared to other positions, there weren't many There weren't many great catchers to choose from, but I'm going with Piazza. He's a career 308 hitter. Uh, he hit 430 bombs, 1,300 RBIs. Uh, he hit... 32 home runs in his first 10 years in the majors every single year. Uh, he won the rookie of the year and he hit 300 from for an, in an eight year span from 93 to 01. He was a great, um, spent most of his time with the Mets. He's my go at catcher. Um, yeah. So my catcher, this is one of the higher positions I had to, fine to you know just because there's catchers a tough one just because there's not a ton of great catchers of all time um couple names came to mind piazza obviously joe mauer in our lifetime he just was absolutely dominant Mm -hmm. but i ended up going with a little bit of an old school guy i went with yogi Berra as my uh all-time catcher uh -hmm. one thing i was shocked about my list is i had a lot of yankees on it (laughs) <laughs> which I mean after I made it I kind of threw up but uh yeah basically uh Barra he's also hypothetically the manager of my team um so yeah. Yogi Bear had one of the best careers by a catcher of all time he's a three-time MVP he finished runner-up twice so he was close to being a five-time MVP guy and he won a ridiculous amount of rings he's a 10-time World Series winner and he's an 18-time All-Star. Um, Yogi Bear ended his career batting right above 280. He's a 285 career. So yep. I'm going to go with Barra here. It really pains me, but he's one of the best catchers ever, and he really was the leader and captain. He was also the manager for a while of uh, those Yankees teams back in the 50s and 60s that just really dominated. So I'm going to – Yogi Bear is my catcher. 
Okay. We'll go to first base. And uh, this was a this was a no brainer for me. This was this was the believe it or not, this was like the player that made me really um, have a better understanding of of the game and especially hitting hitting wise. I used to watch a lot of his his videos and stuff. And that man is Albert Pujols. Um, he's a 300 hitter, exactly, career-wise. Um, he hit 656 home runs. He had over 2,000 RBIs. He has a wins above replacement of 100. He's won the, he won the World Series twice with the Cardinals. Uh, he led the NL in war for five straight years. Um, he had 10 straight seasons of 330 and 100. So that's 300 average, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. He had that plus for 10 straight seasons. So three-time MVP winner. And just like what I said before, um, you probably could pick up a couple, maybe a couple names that are better than him. But um, in my in my dream team, I'm going with Pujols because – he was very he I mean he has one of the, the best swings I think of all time and he's a class act he's a great leader and uh, he's still he's still I mean he's obviously not the same player as he was but he's still going pretty strong in the angels so um, yeah this one was a tough one to me for me as well as between two guys and um, literally right before we came on I changed it so I originally had Lou Gehrig. Uh, another old Yankee. Obviously, we all know Lou Gehrig, one of the best hitters of all time. Career ended short due to you know Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, unfortunately. But I had to duck him out just because I put the same guy as guy as you. I went with Albert Pujols as well. Albert Pujols is, if you honestly think about the prime of his career from really when he came into the league until he left the Cardinals, he yeah. was probably the best hitter we may have ever seen like yeah. in our lifetime he was just unstoppable he was a rookie of the year three-time mvp and he was a runner up i believe i'm doing the baseball reference math right now runner up four times so he could have potentially had seven mvps he was one of the most dominant hitters i think in our lifetime we've ever seen one of the most and, complete hitters yeah he just was phenomenal hitter yeah. he also was uh not a slouch at first as he nabbed a couple of gold gloves he has mm-hmm. two of them so i yeah i gotta agree with you there i go with pool holes i think you said it best with him he just was one of the really one of the best players all around hitting wise i think we've ever seen there you go. There's our first agreement. I'm sure I'm, I bet we'll have a couple more. Oh, we definitely have one more. <laughs> um, at second base, I'm going with one of the most profound, profound names of all time. I mean, he's known around the world, Jackie Robinson. Um, I, I'm just going to say it. I also have Jackie Robinson as my second baseman. Go. Okay. He, yeah, so I don't want to – I'll just list off a couple things. Uh, he's a 300 – Hitter, uh, 311 to be exact, six-time All-Star, MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series. He has it all. Um, he broke the color barrier. Um, 
And besides, second base is another position where there aren't too many big names. I mean, Jackie Robinson is a great player, obviously, for a reason. Uh, but um, the names ahead of him that I saw most greatest of all time list, I just either I would I honestly I honestly tried to stay away from like um, very very old players. I like I like I took an approach into picking players that have been around like towards this towards my our our generation but um i this is definitely one of one of my players that are definitely from way back but uh yeah you can we can list off for jackie as well um yeah so jackie's really one of three players i believe that we me and you weren't alive to at least while they were playing um i have one more coming up but uh jackie came into the league at 28 and he really did break the color barrier and he changed baseball forever. Um, you said it best, MVP, World Series champ. And I just like to really think of how great his numbers would have been if he came into the league at 21 instead of 28. He, mm -hmm. you know, played in the other league for a while. And he really did change and revolutionize baseball. And he opened the door for so many players uh the most notable i think that was next after him was roberto clemente mm -hmm. who allowed uh who is in my honorable mentions list it pained me not to put roberto clemente on there but jackie just is one of the best second basemen and really best one of the better uh players in mlb history his career was short it was only 10 years uh compared to most players who's are much longer that i mean players that are on my list much later they've had much longer careers i just think he was really one of the best players ever and it just really sucks that his career started at 28 rather than really? if he came up in today's era where he probably would have been in the mlb since he was 19. so yeah. all right um we'll go to third baseman now um this is another guy that um, I, I really liked it a lot when I was younger, um, student of the game, uh, Chipper Jones, um, the Atlanta Braves legend, 300 plus career for, uh, average, he had 2,600 hits, 1,500 RBIs, um, 450 home runs. He was a seven time all-star. He only had one, uh, MVP. But my reasoning here is simply because of I think he was he was the Braves leader captain for two decades. Uh, played his whole career on one team, which is obviously a rarity in all sports and something that I I uh, take a lot of take a lot of value in. And like, yeah, like I said, he's just um, a guy that I I really, really, really uh, respected and enjoyed watching when I was younger. So yeah, there's uh, my third baseman. Um, it was tough for me to leave <laughs> Chipper off the, uh, the list. I really liked Chipper. He really did another guy that really changed the game of baseball. There's so many guys that just evolved their positions, but I have to go with the guy that played before and neither me or you were born. Uh, Mike Schmidt, 
This yep. is probably this is the last guy I have that played before we, me and you were born. Um, Mike Schmidt was a three-time MVP. He racked up several Golden Gloves as he gloves as he's a ten-time Golden Glove winner, uh, World Series MVP, six-time Silver Slugger, twelve-time All Star. Uh, Mike Schmidt was just one of probably the best third basemen uh, of all time. He played on the uh, Phillies for his entire career, and just like uh, Chipper, where just a one-team whole career guy, uh, I really thought he changed the position moving forward to open the doors for more third basemen. Mm-hmm. And I think I just I'm going with him. I think he is the best third baseman of all time. His batting average isn't that great as he's a career 267 hitter, but really he just was dominant as he led the MLB in home runs uh, five times, six times in his entire career, and he led the MLB in RBIs a crap ton of times after that. He uh, over 500 home runs and just uh, above 2,000 hits. Uh, I just got to go with Mike Schmidt here for third base. Definitely. He's def. I would say he's the, the for sure greatest third baseman of all time. Um, shortstop. So you're definitely not gonna like mine. Um, I I honestly I have a pl- I have like a backup here because I'm not sure if you want to clar- classify him as a as a shortstop. I think we have I think we have the same guy. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm going with A-Rod. I'm going with Alex Rodriguez here. Uh, hate him, love him. I mean, most of our listeners probably hate him. But uh, this guy, although although tarnished through PDs, he was still a generational-type talent. Um, he came to the league from the moment he got there at age 20 with the, with the Mariners. And he was a superstar, and you can't really say that for uh, many many players in MLB history, especially in a sport like baseball where it really takes time to develop. But this guy, this guy was, like I said, superstar from the moment he arrived. Uh, Two ninety five hitter, three hundred, uh, three thousand hits. Um, he j- came just shy of seven hundred home runs, finishing at six ninety six. Uh, 14-time All-Star, three-time MVP, won a World Series. Um, yeah, he will. He he will always be a big, um, big question mark. Almost. Um, he was not the greatest of a teammate. Um, we we definitely know that for a fact. We saw that on the field, and we hear a lot of stuff off the field with uh, all those. Jeter things, him and Jeter never getting along and stuff like that. But uh, nevertheless, he's still still great. And I mean, I just don't think you can you can tarnish this guy as much as you as much as you'd like for PEDs. I mean, he was still a, a god given talent, a superstar. I mean, his numbers pro- obviously wouldn't be as great, but he would still rank in 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 many many categories at the top. With or without his his uh, drugs, so yeah, I'm going with A Rod. Um, yeah, I also went with A Rod here. Um, I think you were dead on with the classification issue because he could have been considered a third baseman or a shortstop. But yeah. I'm mainly looking at the dead prime of his career. 
And the only reason why he moved to third was because of Jeter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're the Yankees, you're going to go with Derek Jeter at third over. I mean, Derek Jeter's the, if you Google the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter's going to pop up. Yeah. So Jeter gets what he wants. A-Rod moves to third. A-Rod still killed it at third for the Yankees. He wasn't really the best fielder, so he didn't get a golden glove at third, but still wasn't a liability for them. And he won two MVPs with the Yankees as well. Um, I just literally completely agree with everything you said. He's going to be tied with PEDs forever. And one more guy on my list is also tied with PEDs forever. Um, <laughs> Dude, we have the same team. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's He's just – I think you got to – I think at the end of the day, the MLB just has to at least somewhat grow up here and recognize when players are just great and – if the PEDs are around them, just kind of move on from it. I mean, A-Rod clearly cheated at the back half of his career, but mm-hmm. what he did at the start of his career was phenomenal. And he did it in the dead middle of the steroid era. So really you can say it like, oh, yeah, you got caught with PEDs, but really there's only a handful of players that played in the early 2000s that didn't get caught yeah. using steroids. Exactly. Um I think A-Rod is one of the best shortstops of all time. It, I was struggling between him, Jeter, and Ozzie Smith, but I ended up going with A-Rod. I think he's the more all-around better player, and I think yeah. he would have won more Golden Gloves if he continued playing short for the Yankees rather than playing third. Yeah, spot on. Um, this is where this is where it gets good. Um, they're obviously the many, many MLB greats belonged in the outfield. And uh, I, bet this you, was... I bet you we have the same exact outfield. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we're going to have uh, – yeah. We'll see. Actually, Start... no, I, well, you said, you, said, um, you said that you were done with players that were born or played before we were born, and there's – I have one of those in my outfield. Oh. Okay. Okay, so my first outfielder, um, <laughs> he's uh, the king of the, of the steroid, steroid. Uh, Barry Bonds. So, yeah, we're, my team's rolling out with some, some, uh, some druggies, but hey, this guy was the ultimate player. I mean, he's, he's the most unique player, the in terms of his power and speed, he leads the MLB in home runs, obviously. Um, to go along with 500 stolen bases, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. So, I mean, that alone is just pretty much pretty much the reason that he's, a, he's, he's on my list. He's a 300 hitter. And um, I, I want to read something. I'm going to pull – I have a – I have a piece of an article from from Bleacher Report that I thought was uh was pretty pretty interesting. So this is this is from Bleacher Report. There are two separate five year peaks in Bond's career. The first was in 1990 to 94 when he won three MVPs and finished second and fourth place in the other two votes. During this window, Bond's averaged 35 home runs and 38 stolen bases per season. He won a Gold Glove in all five of those years. 
and then there's the 2000 to 2004 era in which Bonds hit at least 45 home runs in each year, in which he's one of those years he had 73 in 2001, which set the single season record. I mean, that those that that alone. I mean, this guy was a freak. And like I said with A-Rod, take away his, his PEDs, he's still going to have great numbers. Not as good, obviously, but still going to have great numbers. Um, Bonds, obviously. I, I, there's This guy was a... This guy was so... You'll never see anyone like him again. He, that's why I'm going with Bonds. Um, yeah, so no surprise here. I also have uh, Barry Lamar Bonds. Uh, fun fact about Barry Bonds, uh, Willie Mays is his godfather. Really? Uh, yeah, Barry Bonds' father played for the Giants the same time as Willie Mays did, yeah. and they were very, very close family friends. So just a little fun fact about Bonds. But, um, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I think he still would have been considered one of the greatest players of all time without the steroids added in. And if I were to guess when he started juicing, I'd say it was probably after – the uh, the home run race between McGuire and Sosa because I think he he put up a I believe a forty forty season if I'm not wrong and he got zero attention for it. Mm-hmm. Trying to see stolen bags here, yeah, forty forty and ninety six. Which, if anyone out there baseball, it is almost impossible to have a forty forty season. Mm-hmm. It's only been done four times in the history of baseball, and he is really one of the all-around greatest players of all time. He has a ton of golden gloves. He has several MVPs, including a span where he won four in a row for the Giants. Obviously, steroids are going to loom over him. But also, at the same time, he only led the MLB in home runs twice throughout his entire career. So he was juicing when everyone was juicing. And I think he just – him and – Clemens just both got the finger pointed at them because they were doing stuff that no one's ever seen while they're while right in the dead middle of the steroid era. It's definitely a black mark on baseball, but you can't just ignore these guys for the careers that they had. Exactly. And really, you just got to deduct some of the stuff. I mean, Bonds was still consistently having 30, 35 home run years, like well into when it was pretty obvious he was juicing. And I just think he had one of the most dominant careers of all time. I think it's a shame that he wasn't an all-star in 99 when uh, the all-star game was at Fenway Park with Ted Williams. Um, It was tough that he had a streak where he was an all-star for 92 to 2004. The only year he wasn't an all-star was 99 because he was hurt for the first half of the year. And he still managed to hit 34 bombs and, I just think he's one of the most dominant hitters of all time, especially because he's the all-time leader in walks and he's the all-time leader in attentional walks. People were so afraid. It was statistically better to walk Barry Bonds than it was to pitch to him, just to give the Giants a guy on first rather than actually pitch to Barry Bonds, which is something that's probably never going to be said about another hitter ever again. Maybe, maybe Aaron Judge now, just because he either strikes out or hits an absolute nuke, but not nowhere even close to the numbers that Bonds is putting up. I think he, 
I think he is definitely deserves to be on the list. And I mean, he definitely has the black mark on his career. And I hope baseball just recognizes him and Clemens soon and just puts them both in the Hall of Fame because they're both well-deserved to be Hall of Famers. Absolutely. Bonzi's in the Hall of Famers. He's getting, he's getting close. He's inching, If you look at the voting every year, he's just – they're making him and Clemens sweat it out, really. And I'm not a fan of it, but I understand it. He just – because it's just a black mark on baseball. Yeah. Center field or – just either, yeah, yeah. I think we're both slabbing bonds and right. Yep. And um, my next outfielder, uh, a guy that I mean, you could probably say there's a handful of, of names that are st- statistically better, but uh, Ken Griffey Jr. The kid, um, he's a superstar. I mean, he's one of baseball's most iconic names, one of baseball's most flashy players. Um, he he ranks his batting average is a tick below where most of my other players rank. He sits at two eighty four, uh, twenty seven hundred career hits, six hundred thirty bombs. Um, he's a ten time Gold Glover, thirteen uh, time All Star, won an MVP. But yeah, uh, kind of sucks that what uh, Ken Griffey's career. Ended up unfolding. I mean, he just kind of derailed with injuries by the time he was, I think, around like 30. So that kind of took away a lot of his his numbers. That's why you don't really see as many as his batting average drop down because of his uh, injury past. And, yeah, uh, but when this guy was in his prime, he was one of the greatest, most fun-to-watch players. Like I said, no one really had ever seen a guy like this in terms of, like, flashiness. I mean – came out with the cleats and stuff and the the brand and uh he was he really opened up a lot of opportunity something that we kind of touched upon a couple episodes ago in our mlb episode in terms of marketing advertising stuff like that there wasn't really a player before him with uh a cleat or a a shirt design with the swingman but yeah ken griffey revolutionized the game in a way that some people might not notice, and he was one of the flashiest players, one of the most fun-to-watch players, um, one of my favorite players of all time, personally. So that's why Ken Griffey's here. Um, yeah, I also have Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> no uh, no surprise there. Um, Damn, bro. <laughs> yeah, he he has – I mean, it's outfield the, – the three outfielders I picked, I just – I couldn't – when I was looking at the list and trying to come up with outfielders, these were the three guys where I just feel like I would not be proud of my list if I didn't put them on there. And yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. is definitely one of those players. He could get it done with the bat. He could get it done with the glove. He could steal bases. He is one of the most dominant five-tool players in MLB history. Obviously, his career took a dip after he left Seattle, which is just a shame considering in Seattle, he was one of the most dominant players of all time with him leading the MLB in home runs four times. He had an MVP, but he racked up golden gloves, MVP nods, uh, silver sluggers, all stars. Like you read about, he played with his dad, which was one of the coolest things ever. They uh, hit back to back home runs in Seattle. I believe his rookie year which is something I don't think's ever been done in baseball before where a father and son both 
go back to back home runs. Um, he had maybe not even maybe definitely the best swing in MLB history. Yep. He had the cleanest swing you will ever see. If you were to teach a kid what the like the fundamentals and how to cleanly swing the bat and how to just follow through with it and everything about his swing was the best swing in MLB history. Yeah, it was so clean and the way he'd follow through after he hit the ball. Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the greatest baseball players of all time. It sucks his career kind of took a turn, not for the worst, but obviously what it was projected to be. Yeah, He still ended his career with 630 home runs, which is definitely no slouch. And he was a couple – he was 300 – yeah, a little less than 300 hits away from 3,000, but still a mark like 600 home runs. Not many players get to that point. Um, I just think he's, especially in the dead middle of the prime of his career, he was the one of the best players I think we'll probably ever see. And that's why he's on my list. And I just felt like if I don't have Ken Griffey Jr. on here, I'm just doing a disservice to exactly. myself, really. Exactly. Um, my last outfield spot. So I think we, I think we should have two different players here. Um, there were many great names. I mean, obviously, like you said, Bonds and Griffey were just automatically on this. So this third one was kind of tough because there were so many to choose from so many great options, but, um, being a Red Sox fan, I got to go with the, the greatest player in Sox history, Ted Williams. Um, Ted, Teddy, hit 344. I mean, obviously in an era where, I mean, I don't think pitchers were as, as, as great as they are now, but he hit 344, um, 634 career slugging percentage. He had 500 plus home runs, uh, close to 1900 RBIs. Um, the, the, the one thing that about Ted Williams that's kind of deceiving is that he missed three of the, I'd not, I forget which uh, which years it was exactly, but he missed three three prime seasons to go to the war, the World War Two. Um, this this alternates his numbers a bunch. I mean, they probably would have been way 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 up there uh, if he ended up staying. If he didn't have to go go to World War Two. Um, one thing was kind of cool that uh, he was hitting three eighty before he went to the war, and then he came back and. I was reading an article and it said that he was still hitting like 350 once he came back from the war in that following season after missing three years of not playing Major League Baseball. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do, um, especially playing baseball t- up until my, my senior year. I mean, you have to keep your, your swing alive year long, year long around around the around the clock. Because baseball is a sport where you just lose, you just lose it. You know what I mean? You have to stay on it, and I think that's that's very, very, very sneaky, sneaky thing that people forget about in terms of where Ted Williams would have been in numbers if he missed or if he didn't miss those numbers. Yeah, um, it was tough for me leaving Williams off this list. Bleacher Report did an article. I'm looking at it right now of uh, what if Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, and Bob uh, Feller didn't uh, go to the war. Uh, Williams missed five seasons due to the war. 
he missed five. He missed three actual three full seasons, and he played at the start of one and the end of the other. Because he also, I believe, served in the Korean War, which was right after World War uh, Two. But so they projected his career numbers would have been he would have ended with if he didn't go to the war, if there was no World War Two, he would have ended his career hitting three forty two. Uh, 3,452 hits and 663 home runs with 2,380 RBIs. Obviously, you can't, like, it's tough to, it's a big what if, if he didn't uh, um, go to the war. But I, it was tough for me leaving uh, Teddy Buttcheeks off of this list. Um, Frozen Haynes. Yeah, frozen head. He's still he's still in the cooler in free, uh, Florida somewhere, <laughs> but um, I really have to go. And I this is yep, this is the only current player besides Pujols. But I mean, oh, Pujols is about to retire. The only current player, only current player I have on it here is uh, besides Pujols is I have Mike Trout His finishing teammate. out finishing out the uh, outfield. I think Mike Trout is a once in a lifetime not even generational once in a lifetime talent he since he's come into the league and played a, his first full season he's either won the mvp award or was the runner up for the mvp in every year but one it's absolutely absurd how good mike trout is mm-hmm. he is it is something to awe and look at i think he's going to especially as his career goes on, as he's hitting career highs now, he's just, which is crazy to think that he's now just hitting his stride is right now. He had his most home runs of his career and the second most RBIs of his career. His batting average last year was 291. I think Trout's going to continue this dominance all the way through his career. He got a well-deserved contract as we touched upon in the last episode with paying Mookie Betts and whatnot. You know, he's getting paid 12 years, $426.5 million. He's on contract till 2030. That year doesn't feel real. But um, <laughs> he is one of the most dominant players I think we've ever seen. And I think this is the first player, I think, with me and you, really where, like, we get to see the prime of their career, like, actually witness the prime of their career. Where we're like, this is, like, an all-time one of the most unbelievable hitters we've ever seen is, I mean, he's still just, I think he's still just getting going. He's won three MVP awards and I believe two he, of, like 27. He's 27 right now. He's going into next year at 28. He's just come off of another MVP award. And like, if you look at his runner ups though, like it's still like insane. Like I believe two of those years went to uh, what's his name? Cabrera from the, tigers if i'm not mistaken who who had a triple crown like mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking at it right now miguel cabrera won the mvp award from uh stole it from trout twice because he literally just raked and it's absurd because this is like trout really if in any ordinary year besides when a guy does something that hasn't happened since 1968 when carlton fisk got the triple crown would probably have five or six MVP awards, which is just absurd. I think he's one of the best hitters we've ever seen. I think he's the best hitter me and you 
with actually being able to watch baseball and see hit like history happen. He is mm-hmm. the best player we've ever witnessed. And mm-hmm. so it, it pained me to take Teddy butt cheeks off of there, but I had to, I had to go with trout. It just, I had to go with one current guy and he's only had a nine year career, really eight. They baseball reference counts as not so rookie year where he played 40 games, really an eight year career where, this is just absolute dominance where if you only take these eight years of his career, he's probably a hall of famer. Imagine like, dude, your outfield is so like, it's so like freakishly good. Like imagine those three in outfield together, like just like defensively. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like not even offensively. Like that's a sick, that's a, that's what I mean. Like there's so many, so many, that's where I think, I mean, dude, we just listed off, we just listed off six outfielders. Well, well, five pretty much, and none of those names were Babe Ruth. Yeah, it was tough, tough you know leaving off mean? the Babe. Like that is the most iconic baseball player, maybe the most iconic athlete of all time in the history of sports, and we did not, we did not list him. That's how good. That's how many. That's how many legends and current current legends in the making and trout that there are in the outfield. That's, that's what I mean. Like the outfield is so hard for me to pick. Uh, fun fact about Ruth, just, this is like one of the craziest stats in baseball back when he played for the Red Sox in 1917, back when Babe Ruth was a pitcher for us, yeah. he got ejected when he walked the first batter. He, basically just told the ump to go fuck himself. The ump, Yoss Ruth, out of the game. Reliever that came in was Ernie Shore. Retired the next 27 batters. What would have What would have ordinarily have been a perfect game does not count because Babe, Babe Ruth uh, told the ref to go fu- uh, told the ump to go fuck himself in the first <laughs> no batter. Way. Yeah, that's an un... I, one of the craziest stats, and I also have another crazy uh, perfect game stat for what starting pitcher I have too. But right. we'll hit we'll hit DH first, and we'll, then we'll get to pitcher. Yeah, I feel like this one's no surprise. All right, uh, DH, um, coming from your two Red Sox fans, uh, I'm gonna speak on behalf of both of us. I mean, obviously you can, I'm, you're gonna take over, but. David Ortiz is our pick here uh, for many obvious reasons. David Ortiz was basically probably the first player me and you fell in love with, given that we are Sox fans. I mean, what's not to love about this guy? He was the classic character. um, So many great moments. My number one moment, obviously, was the Boston Marathon and the way way he, he lifted the city, I think so much more than just a player in many, many of us Red Sox fans' hearts. Um, but, yeah, he is a 280, 286 hitter, 500-plus home runs, 10-time All-Star. He won three World Series, um, won, won an MVP in the World Series as well. But, I mean, I want to stay away from statistics here as much as I can. I just think that David Ortiz was, was such – the most clutch hitter that I've ever seen in my lifetime in terms of postseason. I mean, 2000, 2013 is his grand slam might be my favorite 
my favorite Boston sports single moment in in my lifetime going up against, I think, uh, Bruins Leafs game seven back in 2013. Those are my two single moments, the Bergeron goal versus Ortiz's grand slam. But uh, Ortiz, I mean, you physically and mentally cannot hate this guy. Um, even I think as like Yankees fans, you can't really hate him. I mean, he's just one of those players. He's just beloved by everyone. I don't know. That's that's my thought on it. And obviously, he's your DH, so go ahead. Yeah, no, I uh, definitely went with Ortiz. Um, there's probably only a handful of times in my life where I actually like shed tears because of a sporting event. Um, Bruins winning the cup just is the first one to come to mind. Um, the comeback against the Falcons and when David Ortiz's final game, when the Indians knocked us out of the playoffs, um, when Ortiz walked back on back out, Fenway park did not empty after we got eliminated from the postseason. And Ortiz just goes right to the bump and tips his cap to the crowd. And he's got tears in his eyes. And I was watching that game at home. And like, I like literally just started to cry because this was literally the first icon in our lifetime that, you know, we watched him our entire lives. Like we came up with like much like how we have Brady now and how we have Chara now, like it's the first icon that we really had where his career came to an end and Mm -hmm. it really did. Like it just hit me emotionally. He's clearly represents the city of Boston and everything. I mean, with the marathon, this is our fucking city it's he just kind of epitomized what it was to be a Red Sox and to be a part of the city of Boston. And even besides us being homers and being uh, Sox fans, he is probably, we looked at this, I think you looked at it the same way I did, where you only looked at actual DHs Mm -hmm. instead of um, looking at it as um, just hitters that you would put at the DH spot. I looked at it as just like, throughout all designated hitters ever it's clearly a recent uh position so that kind of played into it but david ortiz is probably not even probably he is the best designated hitter of all time he is the best player that's ever just been a designated hitter he i mean like the stats really don't give it truth i mean he's a career five 500 home runs uh almost uh uh, 2,500 hits. He is one of the, he's the best designated hitter of all time. Like there's zero question about it. He's so lovable. And I think probably back like a couple of years ago when he did get shot in the Dominican, like, I feel like you were just like me where you're like, no way, like David Ortiz could oh, yeah. die. Like that's like, you just unlike It's I hate to compare it to Kobe cause he just passed, but like, it was very, similar to that where like it was like a Boston sports icon that like if you ask if you pulled every person in Boston in 2014 saying who's your favorite athlete in Boston I guarantee you probably 90% of them say David Ortiz Mm -hmm. and it's and then the other 10% is probably Tom Brady like and that's me as a Bruins fan too like it's like he just was so huge to the city he lifted us up out of the the bombing and he is one of the best hitters of all time. And 
he had probably the best postseason run in 2013 when we won the the title against St. Louis. He probably had one of the best World Series appearances in MLB history. And I feel like that's not even like arguable. Mm-hmm. And he's also just like how I imagine me and you treat Jeter. Like it's just rivalries aside, you just you can't do anything but tip the cap to the guy. And, exactly. You just can't hate Jeter as much as you want to. The Celtics game's coming down to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm watching it. But um, here we go. We'll wrap this up with our starting pitcher, and I'm, I have a gut feeling of the same name. So uh, my starting pitcher is none other than my favorite pitcher of all time, Pedro Martinez. Um. This guy, I mean, he was he was a gr- he was great on the Expos, but I mean, once he got to the Red Sox, he really hit hit the next level. He he became the league's the league's best pitcher, and uh, he sports a career 219 and 100 record, but wins and losses are not really they're just eh, not my favorite stat for pitchers. Um, he's a 293 career ERA. He has 10. He has 10 strikeouts per nine innings, um, four four strikeouts per every walk. Uh, he's a three-time Cy Young winner. He won it back-to-back in 99 to 2000. And uh, a, lot, a lot to be said about Pedro relates to what I said about Ortiz or what we said about Ortiz. This guy was just a very lovable guy. I mean, obviously, he, will, he he's not as uh, profound as David Ortiz in terms of here in Boston, but um, – Pedro was a very uplifting character, uh, just always, always smiling. I mean, he this the call the Yankees my daddy thing. That's probably the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, but yeah, this people don't really see. I don't think pe- many many Red Sox fans truly understand how great this guy was. Uh, he's the best pitcher we've ever seen in our lifetime in terms of here in Boston. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really want to say too much because I know you have a lot to say. Because I, I have a feeling you have Pedro. Um, yeah. So I was debating between three guys here, really just two. Um, it was tough for me. I kind of wanted to go current because I think Max Scherzer is the best pitcher. I think me and you. Really? Have I I don't have him. He's not my pitcher. Yet. Okay. But I think Max Scherzer in from what me and you when like we can actually tell like without actually watching highlights where we like the way I see like I like started actually paying attention to baseball when I was like 13 so Mm -hmm. uh ever since then I was just like this Scherzer guy is unbelievable Mm -hmm. um also was tough with I also was considering Randy Johnson who was one of the most dominant pitchers of all time he pitched for a very long time Nolan Ryan's up there as well but uh, just a couple of honorable mentions, but I have the same as you with Pedro Martinez. Yep. I think his four-year span from uh, 97 to 2000 was maybe the best we've ever seen a pitcher actually perform. Mm-hmm. As he won three Cy Youngs in the year he didn't win it, he was the runner-up in it. And he was a runner-up in MVP, and he was top five in MVP another year. He did this in the first year of it in the NL, and then the bottom three for the Sox. 
in the AL. I think he was one of the most dominant pitchers of all time. I even still talk to my dad about this. Um, to this day, we have an ongoing debate on who's the best pitcher ever. He thinks it's Roger Clemens. Clemens also an honorable mention. But just looking back at Pedro and you look at his baseball reference and you look at his highlights, it's just absolute insane numbers that like will never be duplicated again. Like his, his time period from 97 to 2000 is still talked about like in baseball lore. And he just performed through the roof that entire time. Mm-hmm. He lifted a city. He was one of Boston's most favorite pitchers. And I really think I'm glad you put him on here too. Cause I think people, especially in our generation where we, the only thing really most of probably at least me and your friends probably know about Pedro, like actually watching him pitch was probably that Philly year where he play a pitch for the Phillies for like six games. Yeah. But he was so dominant. He literally was untouchable and how he came back in 2004, where literally the last week in September, he went from, you know, I just got to call him the Yankees, my daddy, to he shut down the Yankees in uh, game five in New York and really just shut the crowd up. Mm-hmm. And he was ridiculed for everything back uh, 2003 when uh, Red Sox manager at the time left him in in game seven uh, when Aaron Boone hit the walk-off home run. Uh, wait, was it? Yeah, it was Boone, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I just think Pedro is probably one of the most dominant pitchers we've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I think me and you both summed it up perfectly. I think he gets kind of forgotten because he played at the same time as Ortiz and uh, Manny, who are both more fan favorites than Pedro. But I think Pedro deserves all the recognition that he gets. His numbers retired at Fenway Park, as it should be. And I really think he is probably at least a top three pitcher of all time. And he's probably, it's either him or Clemens is the best pitcher in Red Sox history. And I mean, Clemens is also a top three pitcher of all time. So Mm -hmm. I just got to go with Pedro here. And my uh, fun fact about Pedro, where I was mentioning another no hitter story, he in two and 19, it's like trying to just get the year here. 1996, playing for the Expos, he retired the first 27 batters against the uh, San Diego against San Diego, and um, the Expos failed to support him a run. So he carried his perfect game into extra innings where he gave up a hit, and then the following inning, the Expos finally got a run and won. So he essentially had a perfect game in his career but just got robbed of it because the expos just couldn't hit for shit that day which really just does suck yeah and that was crazy i mean and i feel like if me and you also just top of our heads if you had to give a closer who would you go with just to end off the rivera rivera yeah i think there's really nothing to really be said about rivera he is the best closer ever and it pains me to say it Koji Uehara. Yeah. Dennis Eckersley. <laughs> All right. So there it is. Um, those are our dream starting nine teams. Uh, do me a favor, Liam, because I, I did this while we were uh, – I did this while we were recording just for shits and giggles. 
put your team in a batting order and just just look at it. Write it down yeah. and just tell me how stupidly good it is. You want me yeah. to want me, you want me to send you a pic of it and we can tweet out each other's lineups and see uh, gonna, see what the fans. Just, I was just gonna say that you're gonna send me a picture of it and we'll we'll pull it and uh, you guys will decide for right, uh, yeah. for bragging rights. Yeah, yeah. Who has the dream team? Um, we're sitting at around 50 minutes or so, so we were gonna we were gonna get into some other stuff, some Brady, but uh, we'll wrap this up here. We'll we'll we're gonna talk again soon, obviously, with the NHL trade deadline less yeah. than 24 hours away. Um, just, hype. the Bruins uh, are gonna make another move. You heard it here first. Just uh, real quick before we close out, what do you think about the the trade? Just for uh, the Bruins, again. I don't case. want to get too much into it because I want to talk about a lot about it t- in our next episode. But I yeah. mean, for from what we we texted about it, but um, I, I like it. I mean, I like the whole the salary cap stuff that they're yeah. figuring, especially with a bunch of names. I, I didn't realize how many names there were that are hitting free agency this summer for us, but there, there's a bunch. So I'm happy that. I'm happy that they moved on from back. They're getting. I'm pretty sure they're t- still taking on a fourth of his deal, if I read that right on Twitter. Yeah. But, uh, this allows this allows for maybe maybe a future trade that comes tomorrow or locking up guys this summer that are on your current team right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, anything else you have to say? Um, just Brady's gonna come back. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> and I. I like I like the trade though by the Bruins. I uh, just to, real quick, just to sum it up, uh, it literally fills exactly what we were talking about uh, in the last episode. Uh, we needed depth in the third and fourth line. I think Case is gonna fill right in there. I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but um, Andre Kasha. Andre Kasha. Kasha. Oh, those Europeans, man, but those names. But uh, next. Um, yeah, I think I think this is exactly what we needed. And uh, obviously, me and you texted. Uh, it's great to move on from the Bacchus contract. Um, I think really the trade would have just been uh, Anderson and like a third. But we said we'll give you a first if you also take Bacchus contract off our hands. So I think it's a good trade. I think it's going to help us in the long run. And um, I think it's going to help us come free agency. Uh, you obviously mentioned uh, signing Krug. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're just going to give literally every dime that we had in Bacchus to Krug, and I think that's the smart move to keep him. Um, I've been preaching trading Krug, but if at this point, if we're not going to trade him, just have him locked up long term, I think that's probably the best move, uh, keeping that defensive depth that we've been talking about. And yeah, sorry, that was a long last uh, no, you're good. word. You're good. Um, but like I said, we're going we're gonna to hit our picks. Then we'll uh, send you on your way. So I'll 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 go with my picks first. Um, I believe it's Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. Bruins play the Flames. They the Bruins just got waxed in Vancouver last night. Um, take their puck line. They're gonna come out. They're gonna come out buzzing after a after a waxing waxing effort in Vancouver. I mean nine goals. I mean. Jesus, uh, take the Bruins there. Uh, my next pick comes that night. NC State versus North North Carolina. The spread is yet to come out, but whatever it is, take NC State. North Carolina cannot win a game; they are terrible. Um, whatever it is, it could be a million. Take take NC State, please. It's free money. Um, 
again, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tuesday night. This is my last, this is my last pick of the night or last pick of the episode. Um, I'm going with the Bucks versus the Raptors. There's yet to be a spread, but whatever it is, go with the Raptors. The Raptors play good basketball. They're probably going to be um, underdogs here, so take whatever spread that they have. It's probably going to be along the lines of plus six, plus seven, plus five in that in that range. Uh, I like the Raptors there. Those are my picks. Um, yeah, I'm kind of hopping around FanDuel right here. Uh, just ones I see off the top. Um, Milwaukee. Minus 11 and a half. They're playing the Wizards. Uh, Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA right now. They've been currently waxing teams. I currently have the Celtics money line, which they're down one right now. I'm currently watching on my laptop. So, um, yeah, but Milwaukee minus 11 right now. Um, And in hockey for later tonight, I would take the Knights puck line over the Ducks. Ducks are kind of out of it. They've been making trades, getting rid of some guys, and the Knights are still fighting. The Pacific Conference is as close as it can be right now, as literally five points separates winning the division and being out of the playoffs. So keep riding the Knights. I think they're going to really have their backs up against the wall. And then uh, come right here, come uh, March 7th, England's playing Wales in uh, rugby. The uh, Six Nation Invitational, um, as we all know, Ireland, Italy, England, Wales, Scotland, and France uh, currently got their rugby tournament going on. Um, yes. I'd ride Wales there. They're going to upset England. Uh, England's been a little slacking on the rugby pitch lately, and uh, I'd take Wales. Wales put up a good fight against Ireland a couple weeks ago, so uh, Wales plus 380. They're a big-time underdog, but uh, I'd rock with them. Hit your rugby, folks. <laughs> all right, but... um. Like we said, we'll we'll wrap up here. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get another episode going in the coming days. Hopefully, hopefully Tuesday, if not Wednesday, regarding the NHL trade deadline. And uh, yeah, we're we're locked and loaded for the final stretch of the regular season. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to talking talking a lot of hockey in the coming in the coming months, coming episodes. Uh, but yeah, then. I mean, soon enough, NFL free agency will start. We'll have a clear picture about Brady. I'm just looking yeah, we'll have, at the future. Yeah, we'll also have like a, a draft bit. draft episode when that yeah, gets Yeah, it's closer. a little dry right now for, for sports, but we still got stuff to talk about. But, yeah, we hope you enjoyed our episode here with the starting nine. We'll see you in a few days. Peace out. Peace. It's a new old Another runner in the night. Black.